When a top-secret British communication submarine carrying missile launch technology is accidentally sunk by an old naval mine, the Ministry of Defence find themselves in a race against the clock to regain control of this technology before the Russian KGB can capture it. In such a high-pressure scenario, the Ministry of Defence have only one person they can turn to for help. They contact MI6 to request assistance from their best agent, 007. In this mission, we'll follow 007 to the beautiful coastline of Greece via the snow-capped mountains of Italy as he untangles a web of hitmen, assassins, underworld enforcers and resistance fighters. The stakes are high, the action is intense, and as always, the women are beautiful. In this episode, we'll be discussing the globe-trotting, tuxedo-wearing lady killer who is Agent 007, perhaps better known as... James Bond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Action Heroes, where we're making history today. We are we are looking at our first ever James Bond movie. All and right. What a, and what a great movie to start with, with For Your Eyes Only, which is from 1981. It's directed by John Glenn, um, and it's the... Uh, let's see if I'm getting my numbers right here. It is the 11th um, movie to feature Q. It's the 14th Bond movie overall, and it's the 5th... Uh, Bond movie to star uh, Sir Roger Moore as James Bond, um, and uh, the director John Glenn is actually his di- his directional. Sorry, I can't say di- directorial debut. <laughs> uh, there you go uh, on Bond, but he's actually a quite a Bond veteran. Um, I found out because he'd actually worked as an editor and second unit uh, director previously on. Um, I don't know, number of Bonds before this one, but this one was his first um, <clears throat> sort of uh, time to have a seat in the in the director's chair. And um, I actually think he's doing an absolutely fantastic job of it, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So throwing it over to uh, the honorable gentlemen that are with me in this podcast booth. Um, uh, so I have with me uh, Agent 007, James Bjorn. Hi. Hi, Bjorn. Hey. And I have also 008, Leon. Hey, what's happening? I just want to point out as well that not only was this 1981, it was June 24th, 1981, which was my first Ooh. birthday. Ah, So now Seriously, everyone you're, you're knows, birthday... including us, which means that he's never going to let us forget when his birthday uh, is. <laughs> and, For your and, eyes only. And 21st of June is, is Freedom Day. 24th, that's when we're getting it. 24th. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Oh. You stick your twenty-first. I'll be butthole. <laughs> Close one, Bjorn. Close, Close. one, Bjorn. <laughs> Close. And we also cigar. have with us uh, Special Agent 009, Um Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Hi, and my name is uh, 006, uh Jesper. Hi, everyone. Uh, so, gentlemen, um, are you guys James Bond fans? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I'm a Skyfall fan. Does that count? <laughs> Uh, that counts, I think. It's yeah, it's still James Bond. Yeah. I was saying to these guys just now, um, I, my memory of James Bond, like particularly all these older ones, um, I I watched these as a kid with my dad, you know, on Sunday afternoon television, 
And I've not really seen any of the old, you know, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, even Sean Connery, James Bond as an adult. I've only really kind of seen the, the old, you know, the newer ones, you know, Daniel Craig's James Bond films. But my memory of these ones was that, particularly Roger Moore's, was they were always, they were quite campy, quite funny and quite silly. Um, so when, we, when I knew we were going to do this this uh, episode, I thought this would be great fun to get back to watching these. Uh, and then I watched this film and I was like, huh, that's not anything like I remembered it being. This is very different. <laughs> the tone is very different. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same as you. I, like, I, I can't claim to be a fan, but I think growing up in the 80s in Britain, James Bond was just like this cinema staple and they were always on TV. So yeah. Roger Moore just became like a household name or Roger Moore as James Bond became a household name. So yeah, mm. I, I feel like... I have an affinity for this guy and this character, even though I've never really pursued the films to watch. But yeah, yeah I guess it's, it's been fun watching it for the podcast. I guess he was our Bond growing up in the 80s, I guess. So. Yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of Bond fans say he's the, the shittest, don't they? They say he's got the best films, but he's the shittest Bond. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know personally. <laughs> yeah. I think sort of what he tried to do, it was very much sort of, you know, he is probably the one that's gone the furthest away from Ian Fleming's original character, uh, I think. But he was also very uh, adamant. He wanted to sort of, um, sort of remove some of the sharper edges of James Bond as a character. Um, and uh, I think he, you know, he to part succeeded. I think maybe it can be this discussed that he succeeded no too much. Edges. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> no yeah, sharp I mean, edges. <laughs> especially like in his later movies, he has absolutely no sharp edge like whatsoever. Um, mm. But uh, for me uh, personally, uh, this was the first ever Bond movie that I ever watched. I was definitely way too young uh, to watch it, but it really left a lasting impression. Uh, lasting imp- uh, impression on me and I think that's easy for uh, you to say that's easy for me to say mm-hmm. um, and I think Leon I think you made a really good point like sort of um, Roger Moore was really uh, us growing up in the 80s like he was really our bond because he was um, uh, uh, yeah he was you know he you know his glory days were very much he was in there the with 80s. you every Sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> well actually my so my first experience of watching this James Bond movie was on an old Video now, kids. If you're listening to this, video was even before streaming, and before that, we had DVD, and before that, we had videotapes. It was like these no big, kids are listening huge, to this. No kids are listening to this. <laughs> um, but we were watching this on our video 2000 system, so that's how old, uh, if, um, how old it was, um, and how old we are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I'm a bit younger than you guys, and actually, you know, my first Bond movie was was GoldenEye. So, oh, suck wow. on that. for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, like I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they were always on TV, but like for some reason, I never watched them as a kid. So, I, I mean, I was a kid when I saw GoldenEye, but that was the first one I remember watching. I thought you looked a bit confused then, Bjorn, when Jesper was talking about VHS cassettes. Yeah, yeah what's yeah. that, you know? Bjorn, I will what, what? explain this to you later on, <laughs> so, um, yeah. so don't worry. We'll do, um, we'll do a separate call or maybe a separate podcast, like Bjorn learns about <laughs> things in the 80s. <laughs> Bjorn, yeah. what country were you in when you grew up? I, I wonder if it was a British TV thing as well. Uh, Sweden, no, I mean Sweden. Like uh, Sweden, uh, I think Bond is, Bond is qu- quite popular. Uh, right. We had a few Bond uh, girls actually. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Maud Adams in um, Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, and uh, Isabella Skorupko in Goldeneye. I think Maud Adams. Yeah. You actually had her twice because I think she's also yeah. in Octopussy, which is the follow-up Octopussy, to this one. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We so. had Barbara Windsor in the Carry On films. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. And later EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really compare. Not, not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same. <laughs> we had the suave uh, agent, but we just didn't have the beautiful women to follow. <laughs> just before we get stuck into the film, can we please take a moment to seriously appreciate 
Bill Conti's soundtrack for this I film. I was about oh, to man. say. Fucking, oh, I, I, I was watching this film and like, you know, there are scenes, you know, it peaks and troughs and all this stuff, but throughout that, I was rocking out with that soundtrack. A little bit like disco and funk elements. And he never uses the like theme tune properly. He uses elements of it throughout. It's just it's so funky. It's great. Yeah, you know what? I, I did that little intro bit and it was actually really difficult to find a bit of soundtrack that would go with it that didn't ruin the big James Bond da -da 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 <laughs> reveal. Because he uses little bits of it in every bit of music. Yeah. So he kept like, for want of a better phrase, blowing my load before I got to the end of the, <laughs> the intro. I think that's an apt description, Leon. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of, that also kind of leads into some of the film, I guess, in the way it was, you know, watching this film. It felt like, I don't know, I guess because it was so early 80s, I guess, you know, those genre tropes were yet to be established. So it felt quite 70s in some aspects too, yeah. which is quite interesting. Well, it's just on the on the cusp, isn't it? 81. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Bond. Let's talk about Roger Moore and his James Bond. Anyone want to kick off with any thoughts? Well, you sort of um, mentioned it a little bit like uh, he's probably the Bond that um, is, you know, like is the furthest removed from Ian Fleming's character. A lot of people are saying that he's the shittest Bond, but he, I think he, on par, I think his movies were some of the best earning movies uh, as well. Um, I actually like Roger Moore as Bond, but it's very, it's, too. it's to a very specific couple of movies um that i like him that i i think he's really good in this one this is probably sort of the height of his uh, uh you know of his bondness uh, i think he starts to you know sort of deteriorate a little bit um a little bit in octopussy and definitely in um of you to a kill um but overall i really didn't mind him and like you say i think it's because you know bond uh, sorry uh, roger moore was very much the bond of the 80s uh, for us mm. i think yeah yeah i, I like that he's so like effortlessly cool and wonderfully polite at all times like, and the hair is perfect charming. all the time yeah. one thing i thought was quite funny at this one though is his wardrobe he always looks like he's a granddad going out for some yeah. disco <laughs> <laughs> especially later on when he's wearing those uh ski goggles yeah. <laughs> i think they're supposed to be cool but fucking hell, these things the one that got me was uh when he goes to investigate the uh the villa uh in spain in the whole swimming pool thing and he's just goes in with this like beige jacket yeah. beige trousers and it's like yeah, he looks like he should be going to an OAP meeting or something. Yeah, what I like exactly. as well is he doesn't need to flirt with women because he's so effortlessly cool. They just get wet whenever he's around. Like, he doesn't even need to put effort in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but apparently, yeah. Sorry, no, go on. you go ahead. I was just going to say, apparently, uh, so Roger Moore was actually only ever signed on to do three Bond films. His contract was for three Bond films, and then following that... Um, he was on a kind of rolling basis. They were never quite sure if he was going to return for any subsequent films after that. So when they were actually casting for this film, like they weren't sure if he was actually going to come and do it. Yeah. So there was this whole thing of like, oh fuck, like he might not turn up. And apparently one of the people they considered at this point was Timothy Dalton. Um, mm. He turned it down because he didn't like the direction Bond was going. And then Roger Moore was like, oh, go on then, I'll, I'll do it. But... I noticed as well, there's a few scenes in this where like there's one at the very end where, you know, he gets the girl, no spoiler, he always does. But they both drop their towel and you see her legs and his legs. They are stunt double legs. They are not this <laughs> old guy's legs. There's a few scenes where you see like this really sort of muscular legs or this really great back or whatever, but you yeah. never see Roger Moore's head attached to it. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering how old he actually is at this point. I didn't look it I up, but I don't know if well anything else was 50s. 50s. Yeah, is yeah. he? Already yeah, because he was born like 20, 27 or something. Yeah. And, and let's get it out of the way these girls in this film are young <laughs> yeah. and yeah. like it's fucking creepy looking out back now at this sort of mid 50 year old hooking up with these 
girls that look maybe 19 or 16 there's I don't know yeah. maybe it's almost celebrated in this film like look this guy can get the women but I look at it now and I was like fuck well, this is creepy man yeah, she weird. does turn down the one that's supposed to be younger the, yeah. the yeah, she's, one she's presented but, as a fucking kid yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> but actually they were only one year apart uh, her and the other one yeah yeah Which, but in the film they're always giving yeah. her pigtails and like yeah, she yeah. jumps around like I think she's meant to be about 16 yeah 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 I don't know that you know we can get past it for the sake of the podcast but that one thing all the way through it it's just felt dirty looking at it now I think yeah um, I mean it's probably a little bit of sort of um, you know um, child of its time um, but if it but I mean if with BB is with BB especially uh, who's like this young very American very sort of innocent of the world or at least in appearance and her coming on to James Bond so very strongly um, mm -hmm. I think if Bond had not sort of very sort of strict, but in a kind way sort of tried to keep her at arm's length. I think it would have, yeah, it would definitely have been very, you know, it definitely would have been very, very creepy. But um, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of, I don't know. Yeah, it's still a little bit weird, like when you look at it now. It is. I don't know. I mean, yeah. for me, like watching this, you know, Bond does have a reputation with the ladies. Um, yeah. And when you get that first kind of, you know, scene where that could possibly be, it's, you know, it's, it's BB and she's 16. Yeah. And he turns her down. And I was like, all right, well, that's pretty cool. You know, she's definitely it's pretty grown up him. <laughs> Yeah. And then the next mm. person he beds is this this countess, who we'll yes. talk about later, I'm sure. But she's actually a little closer. Schloff, yeah. <laughs> she's a little closer in age to him, though. So again, that kind of felt like a bit, a bit more respectful. She and then is. I don't think it's just him, though. It's the film itself. Yeah. Well, like, that... it presents this girl as pigtails and, like, 16, but then it always puts her in a leotard with massive boobs and ass <laughs> on the show. And it's like, well, yeah. look, you can't. You can't present her as a child, but then visually present her as this like sex object. It was odd. Yeah, mm. I, I kind of felt like as as a character, like you know, he was actually doing all right. And then, as you mentioned just now, you get to the end of the film, and then he beds Melina, and she definitely is too young. And it's like, oh man, you mm. you lost it, like you fucked it up. But, you know, <laughs> good for you, but you know, it's still creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, shall we? So we get into it. So as always, we have uh, pre-selected some key moments that we'll be diving into. Um, there's a lot that we could choose oh, from. Uh, before here. that, should we just do uh, like a quick, really quick marketing pitch so oh, we yes, get that we out of the way? Should. Yeah. So, so if you're listening to this, uh, please follow us on Twitter at TL underscore Action Heroes and Instagram, The Last Action Heroes Podcast. And now over to the film. Over to nice. Look Thank at that. you. Been, <laughs> we need a little like some lounge music for that. And now yeah. over to the <laughs> film. Over to the film. <laughs> we need like an intermission or something like that. Uh, Ooh, plug. Ooh. Plug. We have <laughs> intermission podcasts. You should check those out as well. You, sh you should. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Where should we start? Where should, should we start? start? Uh, I think start? also just again a disclaimer. We will be spoiling the shit out of this movie. If you haven't already watched it, then please go and do so. And if and if you don't really want to or don't care then just stay on and hang out with us right there we go so the first scene that we've chosen is very aptly the very first scene of the movie actually <laughs> which is a, a very uh, intense helicopter chase so as we all know with the james bond it always starts out with a big action piece uh, right and this is the one for for your eyes only it starts out in a cemetery where james is laying down some flowers by a grave, uh, and it's quite an important grave. We'll get into that in a second. Then he's been called by a priest who says that he needs to get back to his office. They're sending a helicopter to pick him up. 
He goes into their he goes into their helicopter, he straps in, they fly off, and then stuff starts to happen because someone has other plans. Yeah. Some jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work for a setup? I think that was pretty good actually. Yeah, I think, look, I think that the sort of the grave in that, they skim through it in seconds. But the reality <laughs> here is we open the film with the most insane helicopter sequence possibly that i've seen in cinema whoever that pilot is is a fucking lunatic and these stunts (laughs) are on another level i mean i think for a way i mean to open a movie with a action piece like this i think is you know i think it's great and i think it's also um uh, yeah like again these scenes in the bond movies they've always been designed to really grab the audience attention and really sort of go right you're in for a you know hell of a you know ride here and with this one they definitely are Uh, and also because the whole setup of it is um it's 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 kind of very bond like because it's a master villain who has i don't know if he's hacked the controls or something like that like off the like off yeah. the helicopter he's electrocuted the poor pilot and mm. now he's remotely controlled the helicopter with james bond in it and you know presumably trying to make him crash and die in the most dastardly yeah. way and the guy who has hacked uh, the helicopter who is it that is because this is important i'm gonna do this in air quotes it's blowfeld it's because... Blofeld or bald guy in wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. You never see his face. Like, Non-named bald guy. Yeah. And there's a reason why we can't name the unnameable here, Blofeld, um, because actually there was a lawsuit going on at the, um, at the time of this film, and I think it actually carried on for quite a number of years, where the producers uh, had fallen out over the rights to use the name of Blofeld and the organization, the evil Bond um, villain organization that he's head of, which is, I keep forgetting, Spectre, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And um, this was a way for the producers to kind of rid themselves definitively of Blofeld and Spectre and this whole world domination um, sort of storyline that have, sort of been running through all of the movies uh, up until this point. So because they couldn't refer to him by name, but it didn't stop them from actually sort of um, showing him, you know, with his trademark beige suit. There he goes, beige. It's sort of like a running, you know, color uh, that you know, that kind of goes through. Um, and his bald head and his little uh, pussycat that he sits there mm. and always is stroking. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, this was a way for them to sort of have the final showdown and also some revenge um, on James's part because it's actually Blofeld who is responsible for the death of James Bond's wife, Tracy, which is uh, the grave he's uh, visiting at the start uh, I, of the movie here. Could I jump uh, in with something on that as, yes. as well? I've, one thing I've always kind of thought was that um, with the passing of the torch between the James Bond actors it's always felt as if it's a different person, like a diff, you know, taking on the James Bond or 007 mantle. It's certainly something they established with the Casino Royale films later. But with Roger Moore going to that grave, he, w- he was married uh, when George Lazenby played him. So it almost kind of confirms that George Lazenby's character and Roger Moore's character are the same mm. person. Mm. Yeah. Which was quite an interesting po- you know, con- continuity thing. Lazenby was before or... Yeah, he was, he was filled Connery the gap and... in between Connery ah, and... I see. Yeah. yeah, and it's actually quite a while before, but because I, I think George Lazenby, he only did one Bond movie, and mm. uh, he took over after Sean Connery, and this was back in 69, I think, um, and he only did the one movie, uh, and then it passed over to Roger Moore. But you're right, that it's interesting that after... I think this is the fifth 
Roger Moore movie, and only then they have they actually have a link that goes back to previous mm. Bond movies, which they didn't really have before. So I think that's I think that's an interesting um, you know connection there. It's I mean it's very you know it's uh, you know it's a very fleeting uh, moment. Like you know um, you only see the name of the um, Tracy Bonestone for like ten seconds or something like that. But uh, but yeah, mm. I think it's interesting, and you know it's good you know it's good trivia for Bond geeks. But Look, anyway, this on, is great um, trivia. Onto the helicopter. But that helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> That's I want to talk thing. about the helicopter. <laughs> First of all, it's flying over my old neighbourhood. Good times, isn't so, it? Back um, oh wow! Yeah, Gasworks. it flies over Greenwich. I was wondering where that was actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> the the uh, naval base down there. Oh, cool. um, but this thing, look, they've got a stunt pilot in there, right? And they've got him swinging around cranes, and they've got him diving under architecture. At one point, this helicopter flies into a fucking warehouse. Mm. Did no one else watch this? Like, I don't know. My mind was blown. Like. How can you put someone's life at risk like this for a film? It is lunacy. And they've got a stuntman. There's a bit where um, James has been in the back of this helicopter and the unnamed Blofeld has taken control via radio control. So Bond has to climb out the back of the helicopter along the outside of the helicopter to climb in the pilot seat. And you just see this stuntman tearing through the sky, clinging onto the side of a helicopter. Yeah. It is fucking nuts. Like there is this nuts. great uh, scene as well where the helicopter comes in sweeping very low over the roof where Blofeld is sitting and sort of does a weird kind of arch turn and then comes very close to the ground, kind of swooping over again. And you just sit there going, this is insane. You know, yeah. the camera yeah. and everything, like they must have been, you know, saying a silent prayer as this machine just coming to whirling sure, like, over them. It's crazy. And the way he picked him up. So he swoops in and picks up Blowfield with the the tread or the you know the, the step of the helicopter and lifts him up. And then this you can imagine the stunt guy in this in this wheelchair attached to a helicopter like fucking yeah, yeah. It's ah, crazy. I was looking at it and I thought the, the one thing I definitely got from this is these days there is not a chance in hell anyone would be allowed to do that. It would no. all be CGI. No, there is yeah, no yeah, way exactly. that would stunt would ever would that that stunt would ever happen again in this era. I think just harking back to what you were saying about the, um, the, you know, the helicopter flying in through this giant warehouse. Um, I think I read somewhere that that's actually done using uh, scale models uh, of Amazing. the helicopter. Um, yeah. And, you know, unless you know that, because I read that trivia before I rewatched the movie here, you know, and even then, you know, it just blends so seamlessly. And, you know, it just there is just something about the use of properly done practical effects like that that just you know just lifts the movie to a whole new level because you're right you would have expected cg and kind of go ah it's done on a computer yeah you know? yeah yeah but when it's like that, that the it's film amazing. comes out swinging with that yeah, it really yeah. yeah for sure it really yeah does. it's like it's setting a setting a bar even though it doesn't that doesn't have any connection to the rest of the film yeah that's what i, I was great. really confused because i didn't know the backstory i was like Wait, I, what, what was that first scene? Yeah, yeah I think it's just a, <laughs> what's that guy? I think it's just a dick move by the uh, the director and the producers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, this guy so. wants to fuck around in court. Let's kill him off in the first yeah. few seconds. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But they, I think they it's also, also um, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was, no, no. You just going to say those those guys <laughs> went and released an unofficial Bond film featuring Blowfield shortly after, which yeah. went which went up against another Roger Moore film, which was Never Say Never Again. Yeah, yeah. It's and actually um, the well, it wasn't that Sean Connery Never Say Never Again. No, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, Sean Connery is never, never say, say Never Again. Never again. Yeah. yeah, Never Say Never they, Again. They got him Push back, and then that film went up against one of the other Roger Moore ones. It was sort of like uh, an unofficial sort of branch off, and it was also yeah. like the last time Connery played him too. 
And uh, like, like as like as an audience, it must have been very con- very confusing. All of a sudden, yeah. Sean Connery's back, but he's a different Bond, and you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, but interestingly enough, Mike Myers and, does Doctor Evil. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing. Um, but uh, just aside on that, that unofficial James Bond never say never again, which did have Blofeld in it, and I think you'll like this beyond. Blofeld there was played by Max von Sydow um, uh, in yeah. Thirty Seconds or something like that. But obviously, it was a big name uh, for them to. That's have another. That's a that's a good yeah. It's a good bit of trivia we like him in this podcast yeah. yeah we do we do actually yeah he's good um so what happens to blofeld he gets <laughs> he gets thrown down a huge chimney uh, which is like the most you know i don't know unceremonious unceremoniously yeah. <laughs> and he was, there is this binge. one thing and i don't know if i misheard it or what but i kept on going back to it because when i watched this uh back in the day uh, Blofeld, you know, he's begging for his life and he's saying, uh, Mr. Bond, please, I'll buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel. steel. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. work out what the hell that meant. So I went back to watch it now again with subtitles on it. And I tried the subtitles in different languages. He's saying a delicatessen. What yeah. the yeah. hell does that mean? And in stainless steel, I could not make any heads or tails of what the hell that means. I anyway, didn't delve yeah. too far into this, but it's actually something to do with uh, mafia gangs. So With what? It's something to do with mafia gangs, organized crime gangs. Uh, they would buy people like restaurants or delicatessens. Delicatessens. Yeah, yeah. To basically, yeah. So yeah. weird. Yeah, it's, it's so odd. weird. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like. I said I didn't research it properly, but definitely go and check it out. It is. It is odd. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. again, that I mean, that whole line just yeah, really odd. Anyway, uh, yeah. so yeah, that's uh, like you say. Uh, this sets up uh, the rest of the movie. Like the tone is you know full on now. So. Um, I think we'll move on to the next main scene that we've chosen, which is one of the greatest car chases ever, uh, I yeah. think. Um, so just a quick setup. Um, James is tasked with finding the hired killer uh, who killed Sir Havelock, who's the marine biologist who was working undercover to locate the wreck of the St. George's, which is this um, um, marine um, surveillance vessel uh, that sunk off the coast of Greece, I, uh, yeah. I believe, and yeah. uh, James needs to find this killer, uh, Hector Gonzalez. Uh, yeah. Nice. Who and uh, James, he tracks him down to a little villa outside Madrid, where there's a party going on, and then this is where things starts to uh, heat up. Uh, he gets his granddad clothes on. Yes, swings into he the does. party. Yeah, <laughs> so he arrives in this yeah. cool Lotus car as well. Um, oh man! Yeah. Before we started recording, I was saying how. That is possibly one of my favourite designed cars ever made. That it looks Lotus so sweet. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Um, also, we start this scene and James sneaks up towards this pool to spy on what's happening. Is that not the sexiest group of people you've ever seen? <laughs> Most beautiful like, bunch of people Everyone at this pool ever. party. Yeah, yeah. The men, the women, all stunning. Yeah. And yeah, perfectly tanned and everything. And um, it must be paradise on earth. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> and James is stood in the bushes with a pair of binoculars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in his granddad jersey. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just have to wonder how, I mean, um, you know, surely one of the sort of upper henchmen must have had some kind of problem with this because these girls are a constant distraction to the guards around around the villa like you know there's this one girl who comes up and starts flirting with one of their lookouts and as he's uh, you know talking or kissing or hugging the girl bond just slips past i mean yeah. you know <laughs> surely some you know henchman um you know office somewhere must have eventually like figured out having a pool party with beautiful <laughs> bikini clad 
you know, babes is not good for henchmen. <laughs> not uh, good for business. No. No. Yeah, exactly. Because you let on like secret agents in like all the time. But yeah. yeah. I thought that was One thing I thought was quite on. funny is like these guys come in and they give this guy like a fucking load of cash and he instantly throws one of the wads to one of these girls. Yeah. yeah. And, and, then he, and then he gets killed. And then That's that guy comes comes just like, takes yeah. it back off of yeah. it. <laughs> what what I like move. as well, just before that guy gets killed, so James Bond, best agent in the world, Ministry of Defence have summoned him to do this job. Within about 30 seconds, they've captured him. <laughs> yeah. 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 And exactly. the fucking jump scare when they catch him as well. Like, man, that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Uh, actually, well, that one got you, did it? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got to admit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah actually, like, oh, it's a, a Walter PP7, licensed to kill. This must be James Bond. It's like, <laughs> fuck me. They found <laughs> you out in seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, so uh, James is captured uh, and he's taken off to be dealt with, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure. Uh, Hector Gonzalez in his nice little blue Speedos. You guys short notice shorts. those? <laughs> Very short shorts. Um, he's about to dive up into the pool. Something whizzes by and hits him in the back. He then oh, yeah. kind of floats up and you see he's got an arrow stuck in his back. Oh, what I love. Yeah. During that move, he, he gets shot in midair of a dive. Yeah. And he lands in like a, a belly splash, right? Yeah. yeah. And all the women at the side of the pool cheer and laugh. Yeah. yeah. Like you meant to do yeah, it. Like, oh, oh, Hector Hector. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, silly Hector. Silly um, Hector. And uh, yeah, so they suddenly realize that he didn't do that for the laugh. You know, he's, you know, he's actually dead. They start screaming. There's pandemonium. James takes this opportunity to escape. And to then judo he wants... the fuck out of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> judo <laughs> chop. Motherfucker judo. Yeah. Judo chop. Uh, and he actually, there is a one point which I found a little bit hilarious. He uses a, what do you call him, a, a parasol um, mm, to amazing. sort of, yeah, yeah to yeah. kind of jump off a small <laughs> little off. cliff. Which he Mary away, Poppins yeah. the fuck out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. That's pretty funny. And then he runs into Melina. Um, Melina. Who, yeah, who is the yeah. daughter of. I like, the, I like when they're introduced and, uh, and James is like, who are you? And she goes, he killed my parents. Uh, so that's, that's all, that's that's all yeah. you need to know. That's yeah. all you need to know. She has a proper and moment where it takes a hat off hair, like, ah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, she then, uh, so her and James, they run away. They go to James Lotus and we kind of expect, right, there's got to be a cool car chase and it's the Lotus. It's from Q. So it's probably got all kinds of gadgets, but it's not going to be, is it? So, well, the, somebody's sort of digging around on his car and there's a sticker that says something like burglar protected. Yeah. And when the, the what would you call them? The henchman goes to yeah. open the door. Boom. Fucking car <laughs> blows up. Shit everywhere. But I actually heard this was intentionally symbolic by the directors. Hmm. And the idea here was that the, the Bond films previous to this one were all about gadgets and technology. And it was all over the top and silly. So they intentionally blew the Lotus up as a statement to say that, all this modern technology and gadgets are gone now. We're mm. going back to basics. Oh, uh, nice. And they, they run through the woods to reveal Melina's uh, car, which just happens to be a bright yellow Citroen 2 CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this car, begins the yeah. best car chase you're yeah. going to see. Yeah. This, this is my favourite film and the favourite scene in the whole film, I think. So. Oh, well, do you want to lead it? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, I think I've forgotten. <laughs> so there's a car chase, Dan. Yeah, like, yeah, car. It's I my favourite thing. Like, see, yeah. I forgot it. Um, Look, this this car is. I love that. First of all, you know, like old kung fu films where they did like mm. martial arts, but to make it look cool, they'd speed the footage up by about 50, 60 percent. Mm -hmm. yeah. They've done that with this whole car chase, and it's fucking great. This little two CV <laughs> and these two cars chasing it are tearing around these like 
uh, like mountainous winding roads and villages. But everything is sped up by about 50%. So it's fucking tearing around and sliding. I don't know, it's wicked. Love That's it. what I'd forgotten. Yeah. I couldn't remember if they did the kind of hills bit first and then the village or the village first and then the hills. I think it starts in the village and then it goes into the mountains. Okay. Yeah. It reminded me a bit about Commando when he drives <laughs> down the uh, slopes totally. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, and they got better brakes than Arnie did. Yeah. Man, they're giving this car stink. I've yeah. never seen a car like that. Going I mean, like that. The, the fucking state of the car. I mean, it looks like a fucking crumpled lemon by the end. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> and the cinematography is great as well. All yeah. these shots through that little village where they're yeah. fucking hurtling through the streets and all the guys are like diving out the way. And there's that wonderful bit where it, she's sort of taking a left up a slope and James says, no, no, go right. Yeah. He yanks the wheel right and they just roll this fucking car. Yeah. And they land on the roof and they block up the village and the bus is beeping and everyone's shouting and the the um henchmen, I keep forgetting what to call them, like the henchmen, the just baddies henchmen, are yeah. behind yeah. beeping, yeah. Goons. Fucking yeah. pandemonium. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that all the villagers run in and they help them get the car up. And then James is like, I'll drive this time. And he comes around, gets in the driver's side, and it fucking will start. And they have yeah. to get the villagers <laughs> to give a push. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I think also, I mean, um, credit do where um, credit do where credit's due. Like the two CV, you just can't kill it. Like you know, this isn't the first <laughs> totally. time they kind of you know roll it over and stuff like that. There is a one point where it's rolling down a hill and it lands on it's land like on its wheels <laughs> yeah. again, and they just mm. drive it off. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I just think- before that scene, there's a wonderful moment, or it's around that area where um, the car's now battered and they're fucking like this thing's obviously slow but because of the first film it looks like they're doing about 110 <laughs> down this like road <laughs> and the the goons pull up beside him and there's three goons in a car and they've all got guns and they're looking deadly and they're going to shoot and James just turns to his left looks at him and gives him a how do you do eyebrow there go back to what you said uh, yes about the being indestructible as well so like I looked at some trivia on this and they said that they used four of these uh, Citroen 2CVs and I was actually quite surprised they only used four. Like, <laughs> I thought there would have been a lot more. So these cars are indestructible. There's that bit with a great jump as well where they've taken a shortcut through the woods and then they launch this fucking car straight over the road and over a truck and then down the other side. Like yeah. big moves, man, big moves. Mm. And the whole time, they're both casually sat in it. Apart from once, James puts his hand out to kind of stop her hitting the windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was great. There's actually, um, this is a funny one. So in the town where I'm currently living, there is actually a guy that's driving around a yellow 2CV and he's got a little sort of 007 sticker on the back of it and on the front. He's got like these bullet hole uh, stickers as well. And uh, yeah, he definitely got that uh, from there, which I thought Citroen apparently released a special edition version of the car after the film that does have bullet holes in it. Really? Yeah. And, it, and it's absolutely battered. It's like a crumpled tin. Yeah. I think, Bjorn, you had a... Crumpled was lemon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. crumpled lemon. Yeah. That's I really good. like as well, they've been through absolute chaos in this car chase, like rolling around and smashing it into things and gunfire. And at the end, they stop and uh, James turns to Melina and he says, oh, by the way, we haven't been properly introduced to Melina. My name's Bond. James, James Bond. Bond. And I thought, oh, fucking hell, keep your knickers on, ladies. Yeah. Like, this, <laughs> this guy's unreal. There is this one funny moment as well, I guess, that thundering down this, uh, you know, uh, this uh, hillside, the field. I think it's olive trees that they're sort of trying to uh, avoid. And, you know, the car's going up and down and, you know, they're being jostled around. And James, you know, in his typical kind of Roger Moore um, you know, fancy is going, I love a quick drive in the country. And you could just yeah. hear Melina just kind of stifling a grin, which I don't know if was scripted or not, but I just think it's quite endearing. They're so wonderfully casual in the front of that car. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's one thing yeah. that gets me with the James Bond films. It's all of them, and it's definitely something that was in this one. But it's just the general toffering of it all. Like you go and see like the guys at MI6, they're like, "Ew, hello!" I'm like, very, it's, very, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so very British. Yeah. No one and speaks like that here. <laughs> I think Roger Moore, not for I'm like, from anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think Roger Moore exemplifies this as well. I think that's why he does work as Bond. You know, he may be a bit, I don't know, not very agent like. But yeah. what he has got is that sort of suave, oh, good afternoon, ladies. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you've been doing it wrong. And they exactly. also, I feel like they give some attitude to Bond in this film. Like, they're always, like, on his fucking case. Like, just, you know, like, give him, give him a break, you know? Like, they're always, like... Yeah, he's well, let's it up and, get, you know, don't get try and muck it up again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Get on with yeah. it. Yeah, well, he did yeah. get captured, you know, so... Ah, yeah, he did. Yeah, exactly. And he blew up a Lotus as well. And he's probably being paid well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Get on with it, mate. Get the job done. <laughs> I'm wondering what Lotus they actually felt about one of their sports cars being blown up so unceremoniously. Um, wondering how that, that you know that pitch meeting went with Lotus as executive board. I think, I think after that film where the the white one goes underwater and then drives up onto the beach, I think oh, they were yeah, probably at Lotus such a well. height. Yeah, they don't care what you do. After <laughs> that. You, yeah, you've probably true. sold that's us a hundred thousand Lotus Esprits. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can blow our car up, but you've got to destroy four or five other cars afterwards. Yeah, so French they just... ones, the little French Citroen. <laughs> yeah. French one. <laughs> yeah, you blow up one of ours, you got to smash up that car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the producer were probably just like, yep, hold my beer. <laughs> um, right. So uh, should we move on to the next, uh, the yeah, next topic that yeah. we've chosen? So um, we're skipping ahead um, a little bit. We're going from sunny Madrid in Spain. We're going to uh, Cortina in Italy. where So James uh, has, uh, when he was trying, to, uh, well, when he was being captured by Gonzalez, he saw that someone was paying off Gon- Gonzalez. Um, James has now tracked the man who paid off Gonzalez to... Uh, Cortina in Italy, which is this, um, what do you call it? The ski, ski, ski resort, resort isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this uh, guy, his name is Locke, Emile Leopold Locke, which sounds like a very evil name. Um, and um, James is there to sort of track him down. Uh, and uh, Locke knows he's there. So uh, Locke and his henchmen, they, uh, you know, they go after him to ambush him uh, using uh, motorbikes and the trademark evil East German henchman uh, as well. And uh, off we Carl, go to one of the yeah. best ski chases I've ever seen, uh, which <laughs> is, I mean, a ski chase in general is not something you normally see in movies, no. is it? No. No. Yeah, I can't remember any. I think this is the only one yeah. that I've actually ever, I've actually ever seen. I can actually think of another one, but I think it's also in a Bond film. Yeah, there is another uh, one in a Bond film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's one where he has like this big dome coat thing that he uses. Oh yeah, yeah that's the Pierce yeah. Brosnan one. Forget the name of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's almost like they've sort of trademarked that. Uh, I think you know skiing yeah. chases and Bond. I think. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that um, in this scene as well. It's not just any ski resort. It's like a a sort of Olympian ski resort, isn't it? And there's mm-hmm. some event going on because there's lots of competitions happening. Uh, Bibi is an ice skater, and then she takes James up. <laughs> He he uh, accompanies her to go and watch the sort of cross country skiing the next yeah. day with yeah. the guns and stuff. Biathlon, they call it, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's she, ski shooting. Ski there's shooting. A guy yeah. she quite likes, yeah. isn't there, called Eric. And she's like, oh, hey, Eric, come and meet him. He's wonderful. Turns out he's a bit of a bastard. He completely blanks <laughs> BB the whole time. I mean, time. That, that look he gives her every yeah, time. Exactly. Like, he's like, what? <laughs> Which we, we very soon discover is because she's with James Bond. So he he ditches BB. Says, "I like that they're they're up in the fucking mountains, right?" And he's sort of like, "Oh, I'll leave you here. I I need to go." 
And I don't know how you're meant to get back to the village, but he just decides, fuck this, I'm cross-country skiing my way through the, down the mountain, <laughs> exactly. through the woods, and off he goes. I like that before he leaves her, I was like, you know what, BB? You're fickle. And they just fucks off. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well have yeah. said, you know what, BB? Fuck you. Yeah. And off he goes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then they plan this um, uh, ambush on him, and uh, uh, yeah, and off we go with these... Very evil-looking motorbikes. I don't know if you guys oh, noticed, but they yeah. got like these spikes massive on spikes yeah. on them. Yeah, which yeah. I'm sure is you know, if if you want to drive a motorcycle on you know snow and ice, you know, you definitely need spikes like that. But the camera mm. dwells on them <laughs> yeah. quite a yeah. long time, you know, just to make it clear these are henchmen bikes. Like, they're these are evil bikes. Yeah. yeah. What I like as well is one of the people hunting James now. We've got two on bikes and we've got Locke in a car, but we've also got Eric, this Olympian biathlon skier, yeah. right? Mm. Now, he is Olympic standard skier and shooter, right? Whenever that he's chasing Bond, he always falls over and he can't hit Bond with a gun, right? But he can shoot the tip off of both James's skiing sticks, but he can't actually hit James the human. No, Fucking exactly. mental. What kind of Olympian is this guy? Well, one thing I thought was quite funny as well is obviously, you know, he's an agent working for whoever. So he's obviously the mm. bad guy, but also happens to be an Olympian. Like, did he... Yep. Trained to become an Olympian to get close to <laughs> yeah, Bond, which, which is first, a fucking like the, <laughs> Double agent or Olympian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, saying that, James can do fucking anything. I wouldn't be surprised if he entered, if he'd have won. <laughs> True. Maybe that's just how imagine, they recruit. You know, just agents. imagine, yeah, the yeah. recruitment like form, like, must have eight years experience as an Olympian like, athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you bobsleigh? Yes. Great. <laughs> You're in. It's funny but, thing about yeah. the ski chase because it kind of comes through different stages almost. So there's the first stage where um, Eric ambushes James. James is kind of, you know, covering behind a tree. Um, Eric is sort of toying with him by shooting off his skiing sticks and shooting off his uh, gun like the gun goes flying out of James's hand. Then James, without a gun and with only one skiing stick, you know, he has to kind of... And with uh, amazing goggles. And with amazing goggles <laughs> yeah. um, and the hat as well you know let's yeah. not forget the hat um james goes thundering down um this mountain um he actually manages to disarm two of the goons by making sort of like this rotating skiing jump over their yeah, heads yeah, yeah, and yeah. they lose their guns which yeah. actually looks pretty cool that was cool um and then he goes down to this um what do you call the it like high this? jump like the olympic high jump <clears throat> the olympic high jump which i, I really like this scene it's really cool yeah. but i always like, how did he manage to get in? I mean, yeah. clearly so there must look, be able to... Let's yeah. talk about this. Yeah. So it's an Olympic ski park, right? And yeah. this is a fucking Olympic high jump. And there seem to be tourists queuing yeah. up to have a go. It's like, what the fuck? There's an old guy. So I mean, are you about to go tearing off this jump, you do? Yeah. I mean, that's probably like the most dangerous sport. One of them, like, you know, like yeah. if you, if you sure. land... Apart from shark fishing you with crash, your testicles. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll break your fucking neck doing yeah. that. And there's like, you know... People like queuing up to have a go, you know? And I think you need like special skis and stuff like that as well, right? All this guy needs is a woolly hat and his like tourist (laughs) jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What I do like about this scene though, and it's a legit spy thing. I've seen a few films do it and I just really fucking love it. So you've got James and you've got a shitload of tourists and you've got these henchmen, right? They get trapped in an elevator together and then they're going up sort of the the queue up the staircase to the, the jump because they're all such fucking pros, they're literally within reach of each other, but they don't make a move because mm. none of them can reveal themselves as being like spies or yeah, agents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just love this sort of intense anticipation where there's the you know, so much yeah. risk. Yeah, standoff, yeah. but no one makes a move. I think that's also Lovely one of the things moment. 
the movie does in general really good is suspense. It's really good at building uh, suspense. And it also goes back to, I think it was you mentioning, uh, Dan, the soundtrack, um, sort of when it's not bastardizing the James Bond theme, it's actually a really strong uh, score and soundtrack. Uh, I think it's especially a great sort soundtrack. of in the tense building uh, scenes. I think it's just really, I think it's just really, really great. And this is a great example uh, mm-hmm. of that. And also, did you notice that the bad guy with the uh, yellow uh, turtleneck or scarf that's Charles Dance. I think yeah. it's one of his first roles, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Who's Charles Dance? Yeah, so who's Charles that? Dance is this. Um, so he's one of the quintessential British bad guys. You would have seen him in, you know, various movies. You might not sort of, um, you know, um, click the name, but you'd he, know him in Alien Three, probably Liam. Yeah, to be fair, oh, Alien reference. Yeah. Alien reference. Hey. There we go. <laughs> uh, he also played. Um, here we go. Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, so the head of the ah, Lancaster uh, right, family. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, very sort of you know um, uh, uh, striking uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, character. Definitely a recognisable yeah. geezer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he would actually go yeah. on to play Ian Fleming later that cent- uh, that decade as well in a biopic. Of oh, his interesting. Yeah, which is interesting. That's good trivia there. Touch, yeah. um, so there's this bit. They've they've climbed up to the top of the the high jump, and James has decided fuck it, I'm going to go for it to make his escape. <laughs> and the moment he goes sliding down this high jump, he gets a punch to the stomach for his efforts. <laughs> yeah. And then they do the jump and the chase is on. He's got to the bottom. Two motorbikes are after him. Nuts. The cinematography here is nuts. Yeah. There's cameras on the bikes, by the wheels. They go through people's legs. It goes... On the skis. It's just awesome. Yeah, yeah it's awesome, really cool. man. And I think also a special mention to whoever the, um, uh, I'm assuming it's a stunt guy that's playing uh, James, because he's absolutely, like he hasn't got any um, sticks at this point. So he's just mm-hmm. using his own body, but he's thundering mm-hmm. down the mountain and really sort of getting the, um, you know, the speed going and he's really work and he's really working hard for it. And it just looks phenomenal. Like, you know, the energy that's in that um, yeah. physical performance there, I just thought yeah. was really great. Roger yeah. Moore the, wasn't allowed to ski for any of these scenes because he wasn't insured. He wasn't insured, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> again. And because he was rolling through his 50s. That's why he wasn't insured. Yeah. <laughs> the stunts here are sick as well. There's a bit where whoever the skier is comes flying off a jump, lands on like a very long table full of drinks yeah. and food, After skims ski, across yeah. it and then off another massive yeah. jump. Yeah. And then the motorbike follows him. It's just just cool it's fast it's yeah did you catch the the shot as well (laughs) did you catch the shot where the the, i think the first motorbike crosses that balcony and as the second one approaches there's a waitress with a cake who's just like fuck this shit (laughs) she just launches it into this rich guy's face (laughs) (laughs) again it's like these little sort of moments of comedy that you know they just couldn't help themselves which is great it's not even accidental if you watch it she actually just purposefully like Bam, right in his yeah. face. <laughs> exactly. I think it's just brilliant. Maybe, maybe she just improvised, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turns out it was like her ex-husband or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, this this chase, after a bit of, you know, lots of through the woods, lots of darting through things, turns out the motorbike's got machine guns. Mm. We end up on a bobsleigh track. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> now, this stunt is on another level. There's a bobsleigh car hurtling down this track. Behind it is James Bond, the stuntman. And behind that is a motorbike, and they are fucking flying down this track, man. It looks scary as shit. It really yeah. does. And yeah. especially like when you think, because I think a bobsleigh track is essentially like solid ice. You, you can sort of see it's got like a layer of ice. So everything that goes on that track is just hurtling down at God knows how many miles an hour. Um, yeah. I think actually, just a put a little bit of a somber, but I think actually one of the stuntmen involved in this scene was was actually killed during the stunt, yeah. oh, uh, which really? is... 
23-year-old you know, Paolo Rigoni. Yes, mm. exactly. That's no way to go. No, no, oh. exactly. um, that's you know that has to be you know. This track was well known for it. it. Apparently, had killed someone the week before as well at oh an Olympic God, event. Yeah, yeah. So but I think it looks they nuts in the film. It really yeah, does sure. look nuts in the film. <laughs> it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's memorable. <laughs> um, and yeah, so and then eventually James kind of he ends up flying over a sharp turn or something like that. or anyway, yeah, he ends up uh, out of yeah. it. Then he comes thundering through a was it a barnyard and then he trips eric on the bike follows him um he crashes into something uh, and then bond is desperately trying to get away eric uh he tries to shoot him but his rifle is completely bent out of shape yeah. so, he, so what can he do but he throws it after bond and then he's looking for other stuff to throw so you know the closest thing is the motorbike which is totally wrecked so he picks this up yeah. and just throws it after him and then bond just you know just trying to get his skis on and then off he goes and that's the end of the chase but uh, yeah, yeah. It's good. Great scene. Great. Like, really, yeah, really it's, great it's scene. awesome. Yeah. Love that whole I mean, ski bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a few more scenes in the ski village, like I wanted to mention, like that I thought was interesting. Uh, one is the ice hockey scene where they're, uh, it, it reminded me of the running man, you know, when they start yeah. tackling James. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and every time he hits one of the baddies into the goal, it does yeah. the score <laughs> noise. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to give, I mean, you got to give kudos to one of the baddies who's like the last one standing or skating. So he sees James has crawled up into this, um, was it, ice truck type thing. Uh, and he's going towards him. And the guy, the bad guy, still picks up his hockey stick and comes thundering towards James, crashes into this truck and is sent flying back into the goal. But... You know, I mean, oh, yeah, that's hats by off ice machine too, actually. Yeah, uh, the ice machine killer. Yeah. 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 yeah, I thought they were going to do an Austin Powers style scene where he's just going to slowly come across the ice and the guy be no, yeah. <laughs> And then the the other scene I wanted to mention was like when they're in the in the village and um, you know he he uh, he sees uh, what's her name Melina Bond girl Melina and he tries to hide from hide from her so he pops into a, a flower shop. And he's like, oh, you know, give me a bucket of lilies or something. Uh, but then he sees the. Uh, was it her or was it Luigi? We haven't mentioned Luigi. But oh, Luigi's his contact there contact, from yeah, yeah. the Italian special police or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so very he goes out. Italian. Yeah. He goes out to help with the. Because they're attacking, right? The henchmen. And he goes out to help them. And then he, you know, kills two of the guys with, with, with like a. Was it a hockey stick or, or something? No, and, I think it's a, you know, I think it's yeah. a, what do you call it, like a, a piece from a, you know, some roadwork. Like it's basically a board or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, board, yeah, anyway. Goes back into the flower shop and, and she comes back with the flowers and he's like, send them to the funeral. I thought that was... <laughs> so, well, the <laughs> smooth bond quit. Bastard. Smooth bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Should we jump onto our next scene? Yes. So yes. we're actually going to be jumping quite a bit ahead here, but we're going to go underwater uh, now. So just to quickly set up the scene. Just, just as a segue, right? Yes. I've, ri I've written a note here and I feel like I should probably read it out. Yeah, um, go for it. I've, basically, all I've written is, meanwhile, a wander around town with Melina, Johnny Vegas in the casino, James sleeps with some <laughs> scouse bird, beach attack. Dudes literally emerge from the ocean to save James, that guy from Flash Gordon. <laughs> my entire notes of the next hour of film that pretty much sums it up i think yeah i mean this is probably the weakest part of the film like they were kind of yeah. skipping over uh, i mean the casino scene was decent i guess so you gotta have a casino scene uh and then yeah he he uh, he bed some liesel von schlaff uh and uh and then yeah we're in uh in the water 
Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, we've made it from Italy, haven't we? We're now, basically, we're on these beautiful coasts of Greece. Yes. Looking for the actual um, missile command unit. Yes, the exactly. ATAC. Yeah. The ATAC, uh, which stands for something which I can't remember now, but basically it's like this little computer that that can be used to automatic tell... targeting attack communicator. That's the one. Thank you very much. Uh, but basically, it's a system that that can um, order British and American uh, submarines to release their missiles in a presumably coordinated. A, um, a, a attack against uh, against targets in Russia, but if the Russians they get this, um, then you know obviously they can do the same. Like then they we're can order... fucked. Yeah, pretty much. You know, as always, when yeah. Russians get a hold of something. Um, so yeah, in eighties so... movies. Yeah, in eighties. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in eighties movies. In eighties movies. Um, so just a quick setup. James and Melina have uh, reconnected. Um, they are going through her father's logbook to see if they can find. The location of the wreck, if you remember, her father was a marine biologist who was working undercover for the British uh, government to try and locate this uh, wreck. And uh, he was unfortunately killed before he could share his findings with the Admiralty, presumably. So they work out where it is, and then they take a small uh, two-man sub and dive down to the wreck of the St. George's. And I think this is one of the other great scenes of um, of For Your Eyes Only, which is it's a very intense scene as mm. well. It's worth pointing out that they've got cute matching costumes. <laughs> yeah. That is definitely worth, yeah. For some like, reason, they're both wearing these bright yellow matching, yeah, jacket and trouser suits, combos. Yeah. Even though earlier, they'd been happily at the bottom of the ocean in wetsuits, yeah. but now they're wearing these little, like... His and hers. Ring <laughs> jacket combos. Yeah. <laughs> jacket combos, yeah. Um, so apparently it's special suits they need because they're going down to a depth where regular oxygen mix is not going to work, so they actually need this... Um, I'm not entirely sure of the science behind it, but I do know that helium is involved. And also, when helium is involved, it will affect your vocal cord. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. this is James Bond, so you can't have him talking like you know <laughs> yeah. one of the Alvin and the Chipmunks. Obviously, oh, so they just kind of great. Yeah, exactly. So they kind of just you know gently just skipped over that fact. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, they are. Uh, gone down to this wreck and they're about to climb into the wreck of the St. George's. And this is where it starts to actually get a little bit scary. Mm, I think it is. Before they do that, I just want to mention something that actually rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. And it's going back to this whole James Bond sort of, well, we, we've mentioned the, the younger women earlier, but I'm going to say maybe a bit of sexism as well. Um, Melina has proved herself time and time again to be a fucking badass, right? Mm. When the shit hits the fan, she saves the day. But whenever they're together, he always has to help her do everything. Hmm. Like he always has to, oh, hmm. watch your head. Oh, let me take your hand. Oh, let me help you up. And I, it, after a while, it kind of grated on me a bit. Hmm. And this scene was the, the last one where she is a better diver than he is, right? And he has to help her out the submarine and help her across to the next one and like gives her a lift in the hole. And it was just starting to piss me off a little bit. Hmm. It's like this woman has saved your bacon twice, <laughs> at least by now. And you still think you have to help her do everything. I don't know. Yeah, he's reminding her to conserve her oxygen level when they're diving to basically not speak. Um, it's patronizing, isn't it? Yeah, mm, it and I'm kind of wondering how many eye rolls to camera that were that were cut <laughs> during this or something like that. But I like yeah, that I he think says, that's a good point. "Don't speak," and then he won't fucking shut up. <laughs> exactly, with all those little quirks and everything. Like yeah. That. Okay. Um, I think interestingly, well, I find it interestingly, but when I was watching this scene, uh, this movie as a kid, and I've watched it loads of times, this scene terrified me like the whole underwater sequence just terrified me because it is a very intense it's quite a scary scene and there's a lot of really good jump scares in it mm, so yeah. every time this scene 
came on in the film rather than just stop the film and re and you know sort of fast forward i would always hide like under our sofa and wait until it was over and then come back out uh, again um, there's like some some jaws music going on as well yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a good shark <laughs> jump scare as well. there's yeah. a good shark jump scare there yeah which actually still works uh, really well yeah uh, I, I actually expected it to be a shark because i'm sure he cut himself or something when they were yeah. going no, that's in later. that's later oh was it yeah. later on yeah, yeah. This, uh, this so is in this scene, yeah. we've got um, James and Molina and they're in a old shipwreck mm. and they're trying to retrieve the attack. But we discover they're not alone. So there's these two people in their little diving suits underwater, trapped inside uh, a quite suspenseful ship, I'm going to say. Yeah. And, and then this this guy appears... Like this, I don't like. How can you explain yeah. this suit he's in? What the fuck is this? It's like it's like Big Brother from Bioshock. Kind of looks yeah. like, yeah. you know, <laughs> pretty much. Mr. Bubbles. Yeah. I was also yeah. thinking. Do you remember the film Inner Space? Yes. Yes. Kind exactly. of like that it's thing kind of he wears. Like, like this, this diving suit that's more like like half robot. Yeah. Yeah. So it is an actual. Um, um, you know, type of um, type of diving suit, which is specifically uh, used for, I think, on oil rigs to do very labor-intensive repairs underwater. Uh, I think he refers to it as a as a JIM diving suit. Um, a Jimmy. Um, a Jimmy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so it is an actual uh, diving suit, and it does have these very you know scary-looking claws uh, on it. Uh, definitely not built for you know sort of a tight, confined space like this um, you know ship, which also. The bad guy who is in the suit, you know, he, uh, you know, he sort of gets into a lot of trouble uh, with that. But again, that's a great uh, jump scare because the way that they build it up. Um, so James and Molina are in the command section of the ship. They're dis um, dismantling, no, not dismantling, but they're sort they're of trying to dis the disarming yes, the, exactly. the bomb. Yeah. Disarming, bomb, thank but, you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they're doing that and they're busy with that. And then you see that something is coming towards them. It's got like this heavy breathing and it's field of view. Um, yeah, like uh, first well. person. Just yes, like exactly. Like Alien, exactly. I was uh, I was thinking that exact thing, and then two Alien references. In this yeah, show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's a high score uh, at the moment. Um, and then the moment they get the ATAC uh, machine, this monster suit comes charging through, and again, it's another great jump scare and quite an intense yeah. scene. So yeah. I'm going to call out the film here. There is no fucking way James or Molina were underwater at any time in this scene. No, <laughs> I watched it a few times, right? And you see a lot of hands doing things, and you see a lot of bodies moving around, but never with faces. And whenever you see either of them, it looks like they're sat behind a fish tank. Yeah, like they're just being filmed in the dry, and someone's just got water and bubbles in front of them, without a doubt. So interesting. In the water. Interestingly, um, she couldn't shoot underwater; she had sinus issues. So all of her underwater stuff was done on a soundstage, and they literally just put filters over it, and they. Um, sure. added bubbles and stuff afterwards i don't know if it's the same with that scene because she's effectively in that massive suit so i don't know how that would affect no you never see her face in the suit dude do you know well you only you see, see the eyes, people so they in the could suits. have had a standing you know potentially yeah, it's, yeah. they're not she's not underwater neither is <laughs> he no fucking way <laughs> again i'm sure it's some kind of uh, you know insurance thing insurance, uh, yeah. as well you know if he was to get a heart attack for wearing all this very heavy equipment uh, <laughs> yeah um but when, yes. when they escape this submarine, right? Yeah. There's a fucking rad explosion. Oh, yeah. They, they sort of put the, this explosive into the, the baddie dive for the big robot suit thing, and they escape through a little hole. And this explosion, man, just blasts air pressure through that hole and bubbles go everywhere. 
and it looked fucking lethal. It looked like yeah. the stuntmen might not have made it. Yeah, <laughs> I think you actually see, so you kind of see them kind of crawling out of this hole that this uh, yeah. mine that blew up the ship. And I think just as they're going through, the explosions happen, and you see one of the stuntmen, you know, their head just, you know, hits the wow. top of the hole, like really hard, you know. And the um, pressure, the bubbles yeah. and the air pressure that comes out, that hell of a good explosion. Yeah. yeah, again, super intense scene. And again, I think, you know, all done with practical effects and, you know, risk to life and limb uh, yeah. as well. Just but, plonk yeah, a stuntman in there and let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. And but, the, but it's not over yet because then they get into the submarine, they depressurize, they start to get ready to leave. And then we start to see these, you know, again, they're not alone down there yeah. because the bad guys have sent another thing to try and get them which is like this uh mini mini sub <laughs> i think uh, almost which is um again it's a great sort of intense scene because it basically starts to like it's equipped with all kinds of drills and mechanical arms and everything it basically starts to tear james and melina's submarine uh apart which uh, mm, i didn't yeah. really appreciate this before but watching it now on a tv that actually has a pretty good sound um sound system you know the the sounds, the amplifying, the crushing, and everything like that is just really unpleasant. But it another works film so well. this made me think of it. It seemed very much like James Cameron. We could uh, we yes. could segue via aliens, mm. but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> the Abyss. Yes, I, I felt like this was very much a source for the Abyss. Yes, definitely, definitely. And there's something about you know sort of the claustrophobicness of yeah. it that you know for both movies you can def you can definitely see there must have been some kind of inspiration going there but uh, yeah. yeah again it's a great this bit, kind of, an, this bit kind of annoyed me really to be honest like it's great like you know the, the suspenseful and you know um, it's well shot but you've just had this amazing scene where they've gone down they've got the thing they needed to retrieve they've been attacked there's been this awesome fight it's you know climax with this awesome explosion and then another guy turns yeah. up and it's like it's just I going on a bit too long mm -hmm. like they could have mm -hmm. just cut that off it's like they, they climaxed with that cool explosion mm. you didn't need that additional shot no and their escape, they just wedge the submarine in a hole yeah. and say hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bye. And then just leave. Yeah. But it's Which still leads us not to the over. surface, yeah, right? It's still not yeah. over. Yeah. Because now, it's this still scene is not quite over. cool. It is, actually. But basically, um, so the, um, what's the name of the bad guy again? Christatos, I think. Who, yeah. Christatos, yeah. Who was sort of like introduced earlier on as an. A potential ally to James, we then find out he, you know, he is essentially the bad guy. But he has um, taken over the uh, Molina ship, killed her crew, and is uh, waiting for James and Molina to come back up. Um, he takes the attack, and then he, again, in typical James Bond villain fashion, instead of just killing them right then and there, <laughs> yeah. he plans this very elaborate death for them, which is. <laughs> It's well, essentially keel hauling. Uh, keel hauling, yeah. 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 But in uh, a loving embrace. In yeah. a loving embrace. You know, <laughs> face to least... face, James and Melina hugging like they love each yeah, other. Yeah, her in Odd. her, I mean, James in a full on, you know, trousers and, you know, shirt. Melina in a very bikini, skimpy little like a bikini, bikini yeah. bottom and a t-shirt. A, a white t-shirt, of course. Of course. Do you know what though, like... <laughs> From what I've said previously in this film, I'd be like, oh man, it's sexist. They're showing off her body and not his. But actually, I think it's because he's so fucking old. They can't show off this guy's body <laughs> because he'll just be a wrinkly old man under it all. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. Like, yeah. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This scene where they're dragging them behind the boat. Again, stuntmen. Nuts. Oh, yeah. They're, they're yeah. dragging these people underwater and they're spinning around and like. And they're hitting coral reef as well. Yeah, as well. yeah. Like, yeah that was like. You know Ouch. what? I watched yeah. it and I actually thought it looked fucking sick. And yeah. I learned afterwards cool. they shot it at like 70 or 80 frames per second and then slowed that footage down to 24. So it looked like they were going much faster. Mm. But either way, I still think that was a cool stunt. It looks yeah. scary as shit. It really like does. Being dragged on the water by a boat. 
I think one of the things I also noticed, and I don't know, um, I mean, if it had the same effect on you guys, but all of these very intense scenes, like the attack underwater, the um, um, uh, sort of the build-up in the ski chase before that, and this scene, there isn't any music playing. Like the music only kind of comes in, you know, sort of just before or just after. Um, but during the actual action of it, there's very little music. And that actually yeah. works quite well because everything think, is done by sound effects. I think mm. the music comes in whenever James takes control of a scenario. Yeah. And then the Bond yeah. theme kicks in. It's like, yeah. oh no, danger, danger, danger. And then he gets control. And it's like, dun, 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 yeah, yeah, dun. exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's actually a pretty good point there. I didn't really realize that. Um, in, in that scene yeah. as well. I, he, he immediately knows how to take control. He's swimming to the bottom. He's trying to cut the rope. You know, they go, they escape. And I think, is there anything this guy isn't brilliant at? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like, James Bond, man. You know, it doesn't matter like what anything. scenario you put him in. He's a fucking legend. He can exactly. drive anything, shoot <laughs> yeah. anything, do yeah. anything. Survive anything. anything. Yeah. yeah exactly. he, they, they even cut themselves on the coral and the sharks go into a bit of a frenzy because they can smell the blood. Yeah. And they don't approach James because he's a fucking badass. Instead, yeah. they go and approach the goons. Yeah. <laughs> Legend. Yeah, so that whole yeah. scene with the goon, the poor goon, I actually felt really bad for the, um, really bad for the guy. So James has done something with this, um, this is the rope or something comes shooting yeah. out. It knocks this goon out of the uh, boat and, in, and, and into the water and the sharks just go for him. And poor guy is screaming. And the, yeah. you know, the sharks, they are attacking him. You actually see sharks kind of jumping in and trying to take a bite of this kicking body and you know it looks gnarly man fuck him he's a goon yeah fuck yep. him yeah. no love well, goons well actually like the like um, Christato says you know just looks at him and go ah oh, leave him you know it's just like you know, it's just not, not important goon, man. Yeah. Yeah. it's just another stunt man just he's not important stunt, to the plot he's not, yeah exactly he's not important it just reminds um, me of Austin Powers like no one ever thinks about the family of a henchman like you know yes, <laughs> exactly. this guy's That's wife true. and kids are now like homeless <laughs> yeah exactly crying out and you know all that was left of daddy was uh, you know an arm and a leg <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe this is yours <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, should we jump to our last scene yeah, let's jump yeah. to the let's last scene um, so uh, yeah, the James cliffhanger the, yeah, literally <laughs> literally nice. oh, I saw what you did you there. don't speak often but when you do it's gold <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's why I want on this show you know <laughs> puns <laughs> exactly so all of Bjorn's uh, you know prep notes especially puns and then he just <laughs> five seconds <laughs> until yeah. pun there we go yeah. every so often uh, he's like oh can we go back to that scene a minute yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the pun Mr. comes pun. out you're like oh now I know why yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was a good pun Bjorn so so yeah very well done um, basically this is a scene that follows directly from the keel hauling scene uh, James and Melina they barely survive the encounter with uh, Christatos and then they're a bit um, stumped as to what to do because they don't know where he's gone. They don't know where the A-tag is. They presume that the Russians have already got it. Um, but luckily, Max the parrot uh, is there to help them. So Max is this parrot that uh, Melina has on her boat, which uh, quite coincidentally repeats everything he hears, including mm. where the bad guys took uh, the A-tag to hand it over to their Russian uh, contact, namely to the abandoned monas monastery, can't even say that, of mm. St. Cyril's in Greece. Yeah. And off we go yeah. to the final showdown. So th uh, this monastery is at the top of a massive, like, it's not really a mountain. It's like a sort of large cliff that's yeah. been broken down by weather, just this huge tall cliff. Yeah. And during the keel hauling, I was amazed that James was so adaptable to like any dangerous scenario. Yeah. Then he climbs a fucking sheer cliff face. <laughs> yes. Like he's unstoppable. Which is completely uh, yeah. vertical. Like basically right? free, free climbing it. But, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. And there's this lovely moment, right, where 
in the blink, it's in like a space of about three minutes. You, the camera pans up this cliff face and then it looks back at Colombo and Molina and the crew. And um, they're saying, you know, it's, it's a long way up. We should have bought more men. And then the camera cams, pans back. James is already halfway up it. Yeah. <laughs> spider up a wall, man. Yeah. Exactly. You Spider-Man, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good line there as well. Um, Colombo says, I should have bought more people. We're only five men. And Melina's like, and a woman. And it's like, yeah, ah, badass. Yeah. And then she picks up her crossbow, which is her weapon, yeah. of, uh, weapon of choice, which is a badass weapon. And she's but that, really, that's yeah. where it annoyed me about the whole sort of patronizing sexism more. Because it's like, well, you want her to be a badass. But then every just time let James her be a badass. Around, yeah, 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 just let yeah. her be a badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that. <laughs> Granddad Bond always steps in, doesn't he? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Old man Bond. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this cliff climbing scene, like, yeah, cool. any comments on this this yeah i mean the shoelaces trick he does is like that's that's really you know when the, the henchman is like picking off his like uh safety pins that he puts into mountains and then and then he starts climbing up with with, with his shoelaces yeah. take off his shoelaces After he's been knocked down three times three times yeah. he should be 007 the... he should be agent t800 because he's like the fucking terminator <laughs> yeah like he, he's <laughs> keeps, just, keep on just keeps coming yeah. And he, he keeps coming in in another sense as well, in, in the you know with those we need ladies. To talk about those yeah. those drops. As <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, oh, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. That's like this this stunt man is you know really Fuck, high you know. up this sheer cliff face, and the goon keeps kicking his climbing pins out, and this stunt man falls. I mean, I'm not good with measurements. How far do you think he falls? It's, it's far. far enough that like I, it's free I would literally have pissed mm. myself. Yeah, yeah, and then there's that whole when he reaches the kind of end of his rope and it just it just kind of jerks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, fucking man. hell, man. And that could have gone killing. so on so many levels, and luckily yeah. it didn't. Um, yeah, I read that the stuntman said he was shitting himself. He yeah. said he'd done a lot of stunts, but this one he just he didn't like it. Yeah, and uh, when you see that, he footage, started though, to get a really bad feeling because as they were standing on the cliff face or the platform and sort of getting ready for him to do the jump. He was looking over in the distance and saw a village and he could clearly see the cemetery there. Yeah. And so like, oh shit. Uh, Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But luckily, uh, yeah. you know, it all went, uh, um, it all went fine. The footage is yeah. absolutely spectacular. Yeah. That, like that you long cannot shot. watch that and not have like the fear watching that. Yeah. So it's a clenched asshole scene for it sure. It totally is. <laughs> My asshole would have been clenched yeah. and I just let go, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fall in that distance, fuck that. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy and also as uh, because he you know the henchman kind of kicks james off and he goes rolling off and there's this massive big drop but then as he's trying to climb up like using that um trick which is an actual technique. trick actually in, in mountaineering yeah it has an actual yeah. name and i keep yeah. on forgetting it but then uh. as he's climbing up he keeps on getting knocked down like further because the bad guys keep on like knocking out the pins and so he keeps on like doing this you know drop uh yeah. further down um this is oh man just thinking about it now just it's terrifying. Yeah. I like so he eventually gets the, the henchman and flings him off the cliff. And this henchman plummets. And the funny thing is he's he's hit him in the chest with a dagger. Yeah. And you see this long shot of this guy plummeting. Fucking high, man. Like unbelievably <laughs> high. And he lands right in front of all the people waiting for chains at the bottom. Yeah. No splat, no, no. puddle no, of blood. Just he just sort of lands. And you just see a bit of blood on his face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'd have been obliterated. Yeah. yeah there would have been all over the place. They'd uh, all have been covered in blood and guts where this yeah. guy would just like split. Yeah. <laughs> would have been a great, what's that, James? I don't know. It's He's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard as well, a little, little bit of trivia. Apparently, um, at the top of this cliff, the, the monastery they're going to is an actual monastery yeah. with monks mm. in it and they were really opposed to having their monastery featured in such a violent film 
So they were trying to jeopardize the shooting and they kept covering this monastery in like plastic and tarpaulin so that it looked shit in shot. And it went to court and eventually the courts um, voted in favor of the film because they said that the monks had ownership of the inside of the monastery, but the building belonged to the people of the land. Yeah. So they shot it. But I just thought it was funny that a bunch of monks were trying to jeopardise a James Bond shoot. <laughs> so the place it was filmed is uh, the Monastery of the Holy Trinity, and it's in Meteora in Greece, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And there's actually and six Greece. of these monasteries all on these columns of rocks. Wow. There used to be about 20 or so, 24 I think it was, but uh, they've since gone. It's a so. stunning location. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to go there. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of wraps this one up. Any additional yeah. scenes that people want to mention? I've got one, but I'll open it up to others first. I think there is um, one important one that we sort of skipped over um, a little bit, um, but um, I think we need to talk about the Countess Lieschel von Schlaff, um, which is sort of uh, happened sort of during the sort of the lull of sort of halfway through uh, the movie. But mm. um, so uh, Liesel von Schlaff, or the Countess, as they keep on referring to her as, is essentially um, uh, Colombo, uh, not the detective, but the um, but the other smuggler who's the good smuggler because there's always mm. a bad and a good smuggler but essentially his girlfriend and he sort of sends her out to sort of lure Bond in to get some information from her but um, she is played by Piers Brosnan's wife uh, at the time and it was actually her that introduced mm. Piers Brosnan to the producers of Bond and it was sort yeah. of through there that wow. he the- sort of became uh, sort of sort of you know sort of got on their radar and then it took a little bit of time for you know for stars to align and schedules to align for him to actually take over. But, uh, but yeah. The, the, the name of the producer is Andrew or Broccoli, mm-hmm. which yes. yeah. gave me a chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Broccoli, exactly. I think it was Broccoli's choice that got a uh, blowfout killed at the start as well. I think yeah. that was down to Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite pieces of trivia that I came across for this film Um and it's something we ha- we didn't mention, but is kind of famous to all Bond films is the, uh, the title theme. Uh, this one's performed by Sheena Easton. Always so sexy. These intros, <laughs> so, aren't they? Like every Bond film, such a sexy intro. As far yeah. as I know, I, I might be wrong. Um, she was and possibly is the only performer of a Bond theme who actually appears in the title theme. Wow. Um, but when they when they filmed it, they were doing this combination of sort of high res film stock with sort of you know soft light focus. But the problem with that meant that any any sort of slight head movements of her would just make everything really fucking blurry. Um, and she just won't stop moving. You know, she's a musician, you know, she mm. gets into the rhythm, won't stop dancing. So it was just m- fucking everything up. So th- to get around it, they basically stuck her head in a steel clamp with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the tongs hidden in her hair and the structure of it was just down her back and they just wow. kept her still in this fucking clamp <laughs> while she performed. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> that'll, I think this this movie is when they started doing the whole you know MTV music video for the for the Bond films. It started right. with this one. Yeah. Ah, okay. So one last little scene that I th- I think we have to mention it's Q's lab. Yes. There's a moment where we go it's back to Q's good lab. Q's lab. And the the three gadgets I want to quickly discuss are in the background we see one of them and it's uh, a broken arm in plaster of Paris and it's spring loaded and this arm flings back and literally obliterates a man's head, right? (laughs) Great gadget. Not sure when you'd ever be in that scenario, but super useful if you are. The second one is an umbrella. And when it rains, the umbrella is like a a mouth that bites a human's head off. Another great gadget. come out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the last thing is that photo fit machine where they try to find (laughs) look. And it's this most bizarre retro technology. 
as a 3D artist, I'd fucking love to have that machine. <laughs> it makes my job so, so much easier. <laughs> it's these weird neon green outlines. None of them look like actual humans, but they get the photo fit bang on. Bang on. It, it yeah. ends up printing this like perfect photo of Locke. I'll be um, like, yo, Zebrush, yeah, make the eyes a bit shorter. Yeah, the yeah, hair. Like, yeah, it's yeah. that bit old. Oh, the nose a little bit bigger. And it literally, it's like Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that, that plaster of Paris that hero. obliterates the head, that, that gadget for me, I need to see that in a Bond film. <laughs> it's like one of those classic tropes of Bond, right? Yes, there's the big intro set piece, but then there's also the tour through Q's lab and all the various yeah. gadgets and everything like that. And, uh, you know, Q always annoyed with Bond because he's blown up another gadget or car or something like that again, you mm. know, and uh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, just miss that, <laughs> you know. Um, should we wrap up with our thoughts and scores? Yeah, I think so. Who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go, go first, will it be? I'll do it. um yeah uh as i said at the start of the the podcast so um you know my memory of the bond films was you know roger moore's films watched them on a sunday afternoon you know they were always very funny um you know had all these kind of like campy elements to them and were just lots of general good fun but i'd never watched one of these films as an adult uh and to come back and watch this one which totally acknowledge those previous factors and decided to remove them i mean this film was kind of the casino royale of its time they decided to take bond back to basics back to mm. the grittier sort of espionage um style of films you know he's actually being a spy in this film he's investigating rather than just blowing through a bunch of set pieces um but it almost felt a little disappointing in a way that it wasn't the films that i remembered it wasn't the ones hmm. that were stupid and, and funny um but i still really in- enjoyed it um you know, as, as a thriller and as a, as a spy thriller, um, I still felt, you know, that the set pieces were really great. The, the stunts uh, and, you know, all of the action scenes are, are fantastic. They're a little long, like that underwater mm. one, as I said, goes on for too long. Um, but they're, they're impeccably shot. The stunt work is fucking incredible. Um, and yeah, I felt the story kind of in between those scenes sometimes lulled a little bit, but it was still quite interesting and still had some interesting twists and turns. So for me, I'd probably give it a good maybe seven. Double O seven. Good seven. Good double O seven. A double O seven. <laughs> Not intentional. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in next. I uh, where shall I start? Look, six. Mm. It's a six. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Right. Yeah. No, look, um, <laughs> double O six. I think I really, really, really fucking enjoyed the stunts and the action and the set pieces and the cinematography. Like the first half of that film with the helicopter followed by the pool and car chase followed by the ski slopes absolutely adored it but the film itself honestly i found it quite boring it um it completely lost me for Mm. the second hour and i don't really think it had much to say and i'm giving it a six because those set pieces and the the suaveness of bond it's for that it's because the bits and pieces are fucking great but as a whole it just didn't hold my attention really so yeah it's a six Mm. all right beyond yeah and I'll, i'll probably give it a seven as well um yeah i mean i watched a few bond movies but i think this is one of the few of the older ones i mean 80s that i that i watched i think um yeah i mean i i usually when i give score i I want to think of it as an action movie and and uh, the action scenes are great but it's just they're too few and far between or it takes too long to get there i think and yeah, I mean, I agree. It kind of lost. My, uh, I lost the plot a few times. There's too many, you know, characters like villains uh, to keep track of. I, th- I thought so. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, would I watch it again? 
maybe. But uh, I will probably watch another another Bond film actually. Um, so yeah, a seven from me. All right, then I'll be. Go on, the yes, but this was your film. It's yes. you, dude. So I'll be the outflyer here. Um, I love this Bond uh, movie. I was a little bit worried about watching it again because, like I said, this was the first Bond movie I ever saw. Uh, it's one of my very cherished childhood memories of uh, of watching this uh, movie. Uh, and so I was a little bit worried about watching it again to see if it actually still holds up, if what I remember about it being great actually still holds up. And for me, it definitely did. Um, this is actually a solid nine uh, for me. I really like this Bond movie. It's definitely my favorite. It's the best, I think, that Roger Moore was. Um, it didn't, you know, he sort of, like I said, you know, he sort of didn't really, you know, he sort of digressed a little bit like after that um, or um, devolved uh, almost. Um, the set pieces are really great. The plot sort of taking it all back to a much more, you know, actual spy thriller and much more, this is still James Bond, but a much more sort of believable plot. They've gone away with the complete ridiculous over the top, um, uh, you know, uh, sets, uh, you know, the secret lair and all these old fashioned James Bond tropes. And I think, um, you know, the franchise really wins uh, from this. Uh, and then I really got to call out the music, which I think is mm. great. I mean, I think the soundtrack is really solid. Yes, it's got a, you know, he kind of bastardized Bill Conti. He kind of bastardizes the James Bond theme. But I think the way they use music here to really build tension, especially in the climb to St. Mm -hmm. Cyril's, I think is phenomenally great. And I actually mm -hmm. was having a listen to the soundtrack um, uh, earlier uh, this week and being able to listen to it in a good, proper uh, quality with um, with headphones is so... There's so much quality uh, to this, um, and it's very unique uh, in the way it's got this like heaviness to it, and a little bit of funk, which is uh, which is also great. Um, but yeah, it's a solid nine uh, for me. There's so many elements that work here, and uh, I will happily go and watch it again, uh, even now. Nice. nice. I like that yeah. we're starting to get some uh, some differences in the scores. Like you know, <laughs> it used to be like we're all on the same page, and now we're kind of. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. Next, interesting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Let's see yeah. how long that lasts, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, right. What, what's our next movie? Anyone want to? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll announce this one. And the reason I'll go announce it is because this isn't just one of my favorite 80s films. This is one of my favorite films ever made. Um, I won't go too far into why because we go watch it. But the segue here is that uh, Columbo from For Your Eyes Only also happens to be uh, Professor Zerkoff from the film Flash Gordon, which will be our next film we're watching. Woohoo! <laughs> Queen soundtrack, over the yeah. top. Flash. Stylish, uh -huh. cool, silly, comic booky. Savior of the Universe. Yeah. Let's do some Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward I'm to this one. I'm fucking excited yeah. for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Be and Max Lucido is in it. this over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is, this is going to be great. Um, cool, yeah, that, that was it. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll see you next next time for Flash Gordon or maybe an intermission. Who knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> Whatever we decide. We'll be or a completely different movie, you know, because we're fickle like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't trust anything we say. <laughs> what happened to Big Trouble? What Wait. happened to Big Trouble? What happened to Big Trouble? Yeah, it got into Big Trouble. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See ya. See ya. See you Take old. care. Bye.